Lord came to Jeremiah, and he didn't want to hear from the Lord because his life was all set and all planned. He knew the direction he was going because his grandfather was a priest, and his father was a priest, and he had planned and trained and was ready to become a priest. But then the word of the Lord came to him with a very different plan, a different direction in life than than he wanted to go. He didn't want to become a prophet. He would much rather be a priest, not only because he was comfortable being a priest, not only because of his family background prepared him to be a priest, he wanted to, he'd rather be a priest than a prophet because a prophet, they live difficult lives. They live very challenging lives. Uh, and a priestly life was difficult and challenging as well. It was very busy. They were responsible for all that was required to do in the temple. But they had set things through the day, set times, set procedures. They knew what the day would consist of. They knew when they'd go to the temple. They knew when they had to offer sacrifices. They knew when they had to go out and, and see, uh, check on the lepers to see if they were clean enough to come back into the community or check on the lepers to see if they needed to leave community, who was clean, who was unclean. All the rituals, all the rules. It was a demanding and a big task and a big job, but he'd much rather do that than a prophet. And the reason is, is that a prophet really was never sure what the Lord was going to ask of him. A prophet always had to give these messages that people did not want to hear. Imagine if you were called to be a voice of God in a message that was not politically correct. To be the voice of God for a message that people did not want to hear and friends would reject you and family would turn from you. Imagine if you were called to be a prophet. I think we can understand Jeremiah's concern and Jeremiah's fear. And as the words of Jeremiah tell us in 1, 4 through 10, we see these incredible promises of God as Jeremiah tells it. Now the word of the Lord came to me. Before you were born, I had a plan and a purpose for your life. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And I said, ah, Lord, truly I cannot speak, for I'm only a boy. But the Lord said to him, do not say I am only a boy. Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to whoever I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, because I will be with you to see you through. Do not be afraid of them, because I will be with you to see you through. We all have fears in life of what God may be asking us to give up or the directions God may be leading us. And that second verse, where, or in that fifth verse where Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, it's A-H, ah, comma, Lord God. When I was first reading that and preparing that, to me, in my mind, I heard, Ah, uh, Lord God? Truly, you do not want me to speak, for I am only a boy. Ah, uh, Lord God, uh, no, I think you've got the wrong person. But actually, as I started studying further and looked more into the text and into the Hebrew, actually, it's in a tone and a manner where where he's angry. And he's arguing with God. And he's like, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a boy. He's already talking back. He's getting angry. He's frustrated with God of what he's asking of him. And it just seems to me that Jeremiah is in a place in his life where he needs a little pep talk. Stop. 
stop being boring. Yeah, you. Boring is easy. Everybody can be boring, but you're gooder than that. Life is not a game, people. Life isn't a cereal either. Well, it is a cereal. And if life is a game, are we on the same team? I mean, really, right? I'm on your team. Be on my team. This is nice, people. We got air coming through your nose. We got heartbeat. That means it's time to do something. A poem. Two roads diverged in the woods, and I took the road less traveled. It hurt, man. Really bad. Rocks, forms, and glass. My pants broke. <laughs> Not cool, Robert Frost. But love that really were too bad. Being the one that leads to awesome. It's like that dude Journey said, don't stop believing unless you dream stupid. Then you should get a better dream. I think that's how it goes. Get a better dream and keep going. Keep going, keep going, and keep going. Well, Michael Jordan have quit. Well, he did quit. So he retired. Yeah, that's he retired. But before that, in high school, what if he quit when he didn't make the team? He would have never made Space Jam. And I love Space Jam. What will be your Space Jam? What will you create will make the world awesome? Nothing if you keep sitting there. That's why I'm talking to you today. This is your time. This is my time. It's our time. We can make every day better for each other. If we're all on the same team, let's start acting like it. We got work to do. We can cry about it or we can dance about it. We were made to be awesome. Let's get out there. I don't know everything. I'm just a kid. But I do know this. This is everybody's duty to give the world a reason to dance. So get to it. You just did a pet talk. Create something that will make the world awesome. I know that none of you have seen that video, so I'm sure it's a new one. And that's a great, if I was ever going to receive a pep talk, I'd want it from the kid president. And there are, um, it's probably a million dollar industry, the self-help industry and self-help books and pep talk books and people that do conferences and seminars. And I'm always amazed by people that say I'm a, a motivational speaker. And I just, there's a part of me that says it seems uncomfortable with that because it's one thing to give pep talks and be a motivational speaker, but what is the underlying foundational truth of the message? Uh, we need the kid presidents in our lives more than we need other uh, uh, self-help speakers, but there are promises of God. Those are what sustain us. Those are what keep us. Those are what remind us that, yes, we can keep going no matter what God has called us to. And so there are these promises of God after Jeremiah says, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a boy. And he says, do not say I'm a boy. You shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I am with you to deliver you. So we have these promises in our last chapel message when I spoke. We talked about do not be afraid because God is with us. And that's what the Christmas season, the Advent season reminds us of. That Emmanuel, God is with us. We do not need to fear. We do not need to be afraid. Wherever you are in life. And then there are times for all of us where God will be calling you to something. To something. 
And all of us come to these places where we say, Lord God, not me. Truly, I do not know how to speak for I'm only a boy. I'm I'm too young for this message that you have given me. Not me, Lord. And the reason Jeremiah didn't want to uh, proclaim this message, the reason Jeremiah didn't want to uh, follow God's calling on his life is because of what he was called to proclaim. He was calling to tell people you are sinning and you need to turn from your ways. He was calling nations, you need to turn back to God. We see in the first few verses of chapter 1 that it was during a reign of four different kings and all of them failed miserably. Uh, We see that what was happening politically in the day and socially in the day was a result of sin. And God was saying, you must be my voice to call them back. You must be my voice, that prophetic word, to call them back to me. And and these beautiful promises that we can hold on to, I will be with you to deliver you. Do not be afraid. And so when we hear these these words, when we hear this, this prophetic call that we're supposed to make, surely, since God told them this, Jeremiah must have had a very effective ministry. Everyone must have turned back to God and he must have started a great temple and it was a mega church and he had a television show and uh, he was on every week and he wrote books. and bestsellers. I mean, obviously, if God called Jeremiah like this, it must have been a very effective, it must be a very powerful ministry and calling. And actually, that is not the case. The book of Jeremiah, this prophetic book, is, is a challenging one. It's a beautiful one. There's some beautiful poetry in it, and it's sometimes challenging to read because it's a little distorted. It goes from sermons to to poetry to some historical context, and it's a little difficult to follow. But what we do know is that, really, for the most part, the people never turned back. For 40 years, for 40 years, Jeremiah faithfully proclaimed the message that God had called him to proclaim. And at the end of his ministry, the temple was destroyed. It got so bad that it, it basically was just destroyed and nations were taken over by other nations. And for 40 years, we would look at that and say, well, that wasn't an effective ministry. We make that sin, we're guilty of that today when we look at churches and ministries and organizations and causes and, and things. And we see people giving their lives to something and from our viewpoint, it doesn't look like God is blessing them. Well, the church isn't growing, so God must not be blessing them. Uh, There's still human trafficking, so I guess God is not blessing all those organizations that are trying to stop human trafficking. There is still hunger, so I guess God is not blessing all those soup kitchens and those people that are trying to make sure that everyone is fed and everyone is clothed. And so often we can look at other ministries and other churches and we think, well, obviously God is not blessing them. And if that's the way we function, then we really have to look at Jeremiah's life and say the same thing. Because they didn't turn back. It was almost, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but almost for 40 years, no one listened to him. And he was an outcast and dismissed at times as crazy. The message to call people back to God. Will Willimon writes uh, about Jeremiah in this message and why people were rejecting him, why people weren't listening to the message, why people weren't turning back. He writes, is it possible for us to move from our self pitying sense of victimization and innocent, undeserved suffering to an acceptance of our own moral responsibility for much of the mess we find ourselves in? Is it possible for us to accept our own personal moral responsibility for much of the mess we find ourselves in? 
It's a challenging word then that people dismissed. It's a challenging word now. Will you dismiss it? He's calling people back to have their hearts turned back toward God. And it wasn't well received. And when we look at churches and we dismiss others because we don't see the blessing of God on your life, we don't see the blessing of God on your home, we don't see the blessing of God on your church the way we define blessing, we are dismissing them in their ministry. One of the most helpful things to me was when I uh, was being ordained, my, I know I've shared this several times, but it was such a freeing statement to me. I don't know if you've ever had anyone say a prayer over you or a word of encouragement to you that you've just held on to and it's just been something that's stayed with you. Well, it was one of those moments for me and we had been pastoring the church for a while and uh, people said, well, the Lord must not be blessing your church. I mean, one person actually said that. The Lord must not be blessing your church because there's only 20 people. And naturally, being a church planner, I didn't talk in numbers, I talked percentages, you know, because we started with five. So I always talked, well, there's 400, 500, 600% growth. We're doing great. <laughs> and I was feeling discouraged and down. And, and my father-in-law, as I was being ordained, prayed over me and said, let God define success in your life and in your ministry. Don't let other people define that. Because if we were to look at Jeremiah's life, And his ministry. We would almost dismiss it. And say that's obviously not of God. But maybe it's just a difficult message for us to hear. A difficult message for us to receive. We don't want to accept the moral responsibility. But as it moves into the text. He's giving him this call that you must. I'm going to appoint you over nations and kingdoms. To pluck up and pull down. To destroy and overthrow. And then the last part of that says to build and to plant. So pluck up and pull down, destroy, overthrow, to build and to plant. And personally, and in our own communities, and maybe even here, sometimes there are things that we need to destroy. Sometimes there are things that need to be torn down. Sometimes there are things that need to be uprooted and cast aside. And so a new season can begin. So something can be planted. So we can begin to build on a new foundation. See, that's what Jeremiah was calling them to destroy, overthrow, so that we can build and plant and and God's kingdom and God's message can move forward. So is there anything in your own personal life, first let me challenge you personally, that needs to be torn down? Is there a call of God on your life? Is he calling you to something say, no, Lord, uh, truly, Lord, you do not mean me. Truly, I do not know how to speak. Truly, I am not qualified for graduate school. Truly, I cannot study medicine. I'm not smart enough for that. Truly, I cannot go into the ministry. Truly, I don't want to be an elementary school teacher. They don't make any money. Truly, Lord, I can't do that. This must not be of you. And maybe we're having a difficult time accepting what God is calling us to because there are things in our life that we need to let go of. Truly, Lord, I cannot let go of my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Now, I know some of you use the God card all the time when you break up with people. Shame on you for that. (laughs) To use God as if he's some, I don't know, you know what I'm saying. 
But sometimes he does ask us to give that up. Sometimes. And for those of you who use the God card to end a relationship, you probably shouldn't have been in that relationship in the first place, but that's another story. <laughs> but sometimes we do have to let those things, uh, give those things up that we cherish most. Lord, no, I'm called to be a lawyer or a doctor. I'm called into a field to make a lot of money, Lord. I can't give that up. I can't pluck that up or tear that down or destroy that. I mean, we've been planning for that. My family's been planning. No, Lord, I, that's the direction I'm going. Truly, I cannot give up my desires of what I want, Lord. You don't want me to give up my desires for what I plan for life. My, my father was a priest, and I'm going to be a priest. Or my father was a physician, and I'm going to be a physician. Or my mother was a lawyer, and I'm going to be a lawyer. And truly, Lord, you do not want me to call into something completely different to go and care for the poor. You don't want me to go live in an inner city and work for agencies like Mission Possible or uh, work in cities like Chicago and health centers. Or, I mean, not, not me, Lord. That's for other people. And yet the call is to tear down, to pluck up, destroy and overthrow so that we can plant and build a new plan that God has for your life. He does have a plan and purpose for us all. He does have a calling, a plan, a purpose for us all. And for me, I didn't know, I don't, I'm not going to get too wrapped up and you just have one calling in life and you're going to do this one ministry your whole life. I had no idea I was ever going to be the chaplain of the college. It was never part of the plan. It was ever part of my game plan. It was never part, it was never on my resume that that's what I was shooting for. That's just the way God had led and directed us. But there are calls on your life to surrender your life completely and say, Lord, whatever you want for me, whatever you have for my life, I will follow. I will follow. And you see, we look to Jeremiah, and it's an important, important prophetic book to look to. It's of one of the prophets. It's important to remind us, you know, don't put definitions of what your life will look like, of what success will be, of what your serving will look like, because God has a plan and purpose for your life. Before, you were, before I even formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated. So have you surrendered to God to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do in life, I will do it. I've tried to be very intentional about having people in front of you that have made these radical surrenders to God. Not, not to glorify them or to lift them up, to see the, the blessing of God that is upon them. And, and I assure you, when Chris Brandstetter was here, I assure you there are some challenging days in his area of ministry. And when Dr. Daisy Dowell was here from uh, Lawndale Community Health Center in Chicago, she will tell you of some very difficult days. And, and the waiting room at the ER is overflowing, and she has 15 or 16 hours a day. It's exciting, it's exhausting, and it's tiring. And, and maybe Kid President was right when he was quoting Robert Frost, and he says, I took the load rest traveled and said, of saying it made all the difference. It hurt, man. And sometimes it does. And no motivational speaker, no best-selling help book can, can help us through those days. Only the promises of God that says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. When your parents reject you and think you're crazy for going whatever direction you're going in life to follow me, do not be afraid. I am with you, and I will help you through that. When your friends reject you and think you're just a religious zealot and think you're crazy, I will be with you to help see you through. So are there things in your personal life that you need to tear down or pluck up or overthrow 
so that you can build and plant. Finally, community life. If I was pastor, I'd say in our church, but allow me to say in this community, are there things in this community that God is calling us to? Are there things, a challenging word that God has for us as a community? No one person can answer that. Are there things that need to be torn down? Have barriers come up? Maybe between friendships in the dorms and then, and then people take sides and then, and then things are separated. Are there things like that that need to be torn down because God has to build and wants to plant something new here? Are there things that we need to give up to surrender? Are there things that we need to repent of? Because that's what Jeremiah's message is. You must repent and turn back to God. So is there something as a community that we must repent of and turn back to God? Personally and in community. What do we need to tear down? What do we need to destroy so that God can plant and build and use us for his honor and his glory? I didn't have much pastoral experience for coming here, and I'm sorry that all the illustrations I give of pastoring happened in one church on Long Island that started with five or six people in our home, but that's just the context I've come from. For five years, five years, I felt like a failure. For five years, I felt like I wasn't a good pastor. I felt like I had made a mistake. I had questioned whether God had ever even called me there and called us there. And some people picked up and moved from Kansas to help us start the church. And so we started in our home on Sunday nights with six, five or six people from Kansas. And no one had ever heard of the Church of the Nazarene on, in the North Shore of Long Island where we were. So when they hear a group of five or six people are meeting from Kansas, as I've shared with you before, it sounds like a cult. And it just wasn't going well. And I thought about these people that gave up so much to come and start the church. And there was a transition point in my life around five years. And it came around the time my father-in-law prayed for me. And it's when I read the book of Jeremiah. It's when I opened the words of the, this prophet. See, when I think of prophet, I quickly go to Isaiah, as we often do. And, and I read these words of Jeremiah where there are days where he's so angry at God. He's so angry at God. And then there are days where he feels like God has left him and God has abandoned him and God has forgotten all about him. And, There are days where he's weeping because he cares so much for the people that he's calling to turn back to God. Sometimes he's even known as the weeping prophet. So he has all this passion and this love for these people that God has called him to. Yet at the same time, he has these days where he just feels abandoned and forgotten by God. And I needed Jeremiah in my life. I needed this book to remind me that I can't let others define or even myself define what success in ministry looks like. I need to let God define success. But also this great, powerful truth that is greater than any pep talk. Do not be afraid. For I am with you to deliver you. I am with you to deliver you. Emmanuel, God is with us. They rejected the prophets, so God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to deliver us. I am with you to deliver you. And in these closing moments, 
you know, I was talking to a few chapel speakers about this recently. We don't have those moments where we give young people or even older people in churches an opportunity to say, yes, Lord, send me. Those moments of commitment in life where you say, Lord, wherever you are calling me to, I will go. Whatever you're calling me to do, I will do it. Those moments where we say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. And I just know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has a plan and purpose for all of you. And I know some of you here today, not because I've even talked to any of you about it, I'm not thinking of any of you specifically, but some of you have been rejecting the call of God on your life. You've just been running from it. And maybe you're not even sure what that is yet, and that's okay. I didn't even really understand it till, till after uh, my junior year, and, and for some it's not till later to really understand direct steps you should take. But for others, I think there are others here that have really been wrestling and rejecting what God is asking of them. And maybe it's just a few. But I don't want to leave this chapel this morning. I have been honest with you. Jeremiah is very honest with you. There's rocks, thorns, glass. There are some challenging days. But do not be afraid. Do not be afraid for whatever God is calling you to. For God is with you to deliver you. Let us pray. I know we automatically start thinking about class and rushing out the door and catching the shuttle and all that, Lord, you've called us to for the rest of the day. And those are important responsibilities. I don't dismiss them. But in these moments, I really believe, Father, that you are calling some. Where they will finally say, yes, Lord, I accept and will follow where you lead. And if there's anyone here this morning, I don't know what the Lord may be calling you to. A teacher? To work for a nonprofit? Pastor? Missionary? All of which are not the highest paying jobs in the world. (laughs) I just believe the Lord's calling you. And I don't want you to reject it anymore. So in the silence of the next few moments, I pray that you surrender your hearts and your lives to God to say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. And wherever you're calling me to go, I will follow. If ever there is a moment, Lord, where praying or speaking and I feel inadequate, it is in moments like these where I fear you're call, feel you're calling me to challenge this community to accept maybe some very challenging roads you're calling them to. Where it may truly be the road less traveled. Where there will be days like the prophet Jeremiah experienced. Loneliness, pain, 
anger and frustration. And yet at the same time, the peace and the presence of the Lord to know that he did not need to be afraid because you were with him to deliver him. Use us, we pray, to the fullest for your honor and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Love to chat with you if you've prayed that prayer of surrender. You are dismissed. Go in peace.